Good evening, everyone. I was thinking we could go over a little bit of the Bhagavat Sandarva tonight. We're up to the 29th Anucheta. Short title, Bhagavan's body is part of his essential nature. The overriding Sambanda here of this particular Anucheta, this section. It is not surprising to hear that Sri Krishna whose body is spiritual in the spiritual world, may be considered material in the material world. So to dispel such doubts, Srila Jiva Goswami, in this Anucheta, quotes three verses spoken by uh, Mother Devaki at the time of Krishna's appearance. It's not surprising people could think like that. In the spiritual world, you have spiritual bodies. When you come to the material world, you have a material body. Why should God be any different? Jiva's brought this up as a possible misconception. And he likes to to deal with such misconceptions in a very convincing way to provide the proper understanding. And as we've mentioned, misconception is also... Anartha, it's a false value, giving value to an idea that truly has no spiritual standing. The idea in this particular instance being the idea that Krishna is forced to take a material body the way the jiva is forced to take a material body. Or because he's entering the material realm, he takes a material body, otherwise who could perceive him? That's also a valid argument, is it not? We can't see our spiritual body, but we, we've heard from Scripture that there is one in there, but we have no direct experience of seeing people's spiritual bodies even at the time of death. We don't see these spiritual bodies go up. Although some people have perceived, perceived what would be considered the subtle body leaving the gross body, the gross form. As explained in Shastra, Atashri Krishna Navadi Namavid Graham Indriya. The Indriyas, the material senses, can't perceive the spiritual form of the Lord. First, Jiva makes a little bit of pronouncement here. He begins the Anucheta. In this way, after explaining that the six opulences, beginning with controlling power, are part of Bhagavan's essential nature. A new section is here begun in order to establish that his body fully belongs to his essential nature. The characteristic of the Lord's body, of being eternally part of his essential nature, has been naturally established in earlier sections because of his being the presiding deity of Aikuntha, which is eternal. Now it will be shown that even when the Lord appears in the material world, his body is still part of his essential nature. This is stated in the following three verses spoken by Devaki to the newly born Krishna. Now we have the Pramod to establish the fact that although we understand Krishna's body when it's in Vaikuntha has all of these opulences and they're inherent 
in his spiritual form. Well, what happens when he takes birth in the material world? Is he still Bhagavan? Does he still have those characteristics? So these verses from Devaki. After the lifetime of Sri Brahma, at the time of cosmic dissolution, when all the five gross elements enter into their original undifferentiated state, and the manifest enters into the unmanifest by the force of time, then you, who are known as Sesa, alone remain. O friend of the unmanifest, Pakriti, this phenomenon of time by which the cosmos becomes active is your own action. It is divided into units from one nanosecond, Nimesha, to years up to periods as long as the lifetime of Brahma. But you are its master and the abode of all auspiciousness. I take shelter of you. So Devaki here is first talking about the dissolution of the material universe, telling Krishna, in case you didn't know it, you're just a little baby. When the cosmic manifestation is wrapped up, then you remain. And when it's again manifest by your energy time, you're its master. In other words, your energy of time efficient. Or as if we look at the definition of efficient, we often think that's something that conserves energy, an energy-efficient bulb. There's also another definition for efficient, and that means the cause. It's a creating force in and of itself. Maybe better to say just efficient without cause, to get the point across a proper understanding of the definition. So time is one of those efficient causes. And the other, we have Jiva Maya and we have Guna Maya. The Jiva Maya is the efficient cause. The energy that, that stimulates action in the world, the material world. And the Guna cause is the actual material manifestation. So she goes on. All human beings are mortal and are thus constantly afraid of being swallowed up by the great serpent of death. They may flee to any of the worlds, but nowhere can they find freedom from fear. O original one, only when, through some great fortune, they attain your lotus feet, can they finally rest in peace and happiness, for death himself flees in fear of you. It's a very interesting time, Krishna's appearance. Vasudeva and Devaki are locked in a prison controlled by Kamsa. They would naturally be fearful for their son. He said he was going to kill you. As soon as you were born, he could be here at any moment. What did baby Krishna do? 
He put that fear to rest. And how did he do that? He manifested his forearm form. And Devaki says, oh, you are that personality. I thought you were going to be that personality, but I'm convinced now I can see it right before my eyes. There's no question. So there's no cause for fear now because death runs in fear from you. So that's the point she's making. So Shujiva, in, in quoting these verses, he wants to establish that Bhagavan's body is not material. Now generally when we talk about the Supreme adventing in the material world, we call that an, an incarnation. But that's really not a proper nomenclature. Because incarnate means to what? To take on a bodily form. Well, the Lord doesn't take on a bodily form. These are his eternal forms. Therefore, the proper nomenclature is, in Sanskrit, avatar, descending. So we also say incarnate, but the word should be saved for those that actually incarnate. Go over the verses a little bit more in detail. So the first verse again, after the lifetime of Sri Brahma at the time of cosmic dissolution, when all the five gross elements enter in, into their original undifferentiated state and the manifest enters into the unmanifest, by the force of time then you, who are known as Sesha alone, remain. So this word Sesha in Sanskrit means remainder. It's what remains. We can understand her use of that word Sesha. The next verse, O friend of the unmanifest, this phenomenon of time by which the cosmos becomes active is your own action. It is divided into units from a nanosecond, Nimesha, to years, up to periods as long as the lifetime of Brahma. But you are its master and abode of all auspiciousness. I take shelter of you. There's some content in here. This terminology she's using. First of all, she's referring to time. And she's referring to the manifestation of the material creation through the twinkling of an eye. So this is the definition of Nimesha. She says, from a Nimesha up to the duration of Brahma's life. So in the twinkling of an eye, Krishna simply looks on material nature for what to him is the blinking of his eye. He has no time the way we know time. Karna Dakshai Vishnu glances upon the material manifestation and the whole show is, is brought into action. And of course, during cosmic dissolution, time has no influence. So when the cosmic man manifestation is wrapped up, there is no more time because there's no glance the Supreme is now resting from 
his Shristi Leela, his Leela of, of giving some opportunity to uh, his parts and parcels. All human beings are mortal and are thus constantly afraid of being swallowed up by the great serpent of death. They may flee to any of the worlds, but nowhere can they find freedom from fear. O original one, only when, through some great fortune, they attain your lotus feet, can they finally rest in peace and happiness, for death himself flees in fear of you. Immediately, what's brought to mind is the pastime of Durvas Muni. Durvas fled in fear of death. The chakra was chasing him, and he could find no shelter. He was given a remedy, but still this idea is there, that when death is chasing, you have no place to run. There's no shelter except through Krishna or his agents. Uh, only things that take birth have the fear of death. Then we come back to an understanding, well, this is the Leela of Krishna's birth. So, does that mean Krishna dies? I mean, everything that takes birth dies. But the analogy is there in Shastra of his of his birth to be being that of... Uh, of the appearance of the moon in the sky. It's always there somewhere. It's just at certain times uh, we're able to perceive it. So Krishna is eternally present, but we're not seeing. In the material realm, how often is Krishna visible? Once in the day of Brahma, at the end of Dwarpa Yuga, the 28th cycle of the seventh Manu. In one day of Brahma, there's 14 Manus. The 28th cycle, each Manu, when it says 28 cycles, the cycle is the four Yugas, okay, Satya, Treta, Dwarpa, and Kali. So those four Yugas together add up to 4,380,000 years, I believe. So there's 71 cycles in one Manvantara, or one reign of a Manu, who's also a manifestation or of the Supreme Lord, an incarnation he's referred to. So this particular, right in the middle of Brahma's day, we look to the seventh Manu. If there's 14 in a day, the seventh would be there. In the seventh, he has 71 cycles of the four yugas, and the 28th cycle of that seventh Manu in Dwarpa Yuga of the four yugas, there is a manifestation of, of Krishna in his original form, Krishna's to Bhagavad Swayam. So once in every day of Brahma. So Krishna speaks a little bit about this. Although I am never born, and my body never deteriorates, and even though I am the Lord of all beings, I am situated in my own nature when I appear by my internal potency, Atmamayaya. And this internal potency, this word Atmamayaya, is also used by Mother Devaki in her prayers. 
So Krishna calls his birth Divya, divine, Janmakarma Chame Divyam. So this is also from the Bhagavad Gita. So the next Anucheda. Anucheda 30, short description, Bhagavan's body is transcendental. So an overview of the Anucheda. Jiva Goswami continues with the theme that the Lord's body, even when manifest in this world, is part of his essential nature and thus not material. So he's continuing with the same theme from the last section. And the last section specifically dealt with the Lord's appearance and the pramana, the evidence that he didn't have a material body when he appears from Mother Devaki. And the other thing that's interesting about this particular Anucheda is there's a lot in here that supports the necessity of very fine discrimination when studying Shastra. Otherwise, there's a chance of misconception. So the first Praman, the evidence here will be coming from the fifth canto. And the fifth canto is talking about the manifestation of the material cosmos and how the cosmos is, is laid out. What kind of planets are where and, and how things are situated as much as we can have a conception one thing that we'll, we'll touch on here in a few minutes just to give us an idea of what kind of conception we're talking about. When we look to the descriptions in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, it talks about Seshanag. It talks about the divisions of planetary systems, 14 divisions of planetary systems. The Earth planet is in the middle but there's also planetary systems that are in the mode of ignorance located below this seven planetary systems so the pramana here having a proper conception that the Lord when he manifests in the material universe or any of his manifestations that are in the material universe because those are unlimited. So it's not like one manifestation of the Lord has a material body and another doesn't. This Anucheda touches upon that in relationship to, uh, to Sesha, Nag, Sri Ananta. So the verses that uh, Sukadev Goswami recited in this part of the fifth canto were spoken by Narada to Brahma. The first verse, uh, this form is permanent, druva, it has no end, and uncreated, akrita, without beginning. The his of this verse is Lord Sankarshan. In the first verse, the, the pramana from the fifth canto, Yadrupam Dhruvam Akritam. The second verse, although he glances over the material world for the purpose of creating, maintaining, and destroying it, his glancing, his act of perception, is not, even to the slightest extent, 
subject to the fluctuations of mind, chitavrittis, that operate under the control of material gunas. Elsewhere, Sri Sukadeva Goswami refers to this form of Sri Sankarshan in these words. This expansion of the Lord is the predominating deity of Tamagun and the embodiment of Thomas. These are statements in reference to Lord Shiva. All these statements are from the fifth canto. Thus, we get into why is this Anucheta so detailed and so long. Coming across statements like this, someone who hadn't yet developed fine discrimination or who was studying the Bhagavatam without proper guidance could be really confused. So here Jiva says, when, you, when we come across this, reference to Lord, the Bhagavatam is referring to Lord Shiva here. Okay, how would you know? Well, you need to see it in the whole context. And as we go on, this will all become apparent. Now we go back to the, for the 25th chapter of the 5th canto. The Lord, being greatly merciful upon us, manifests his form, which is of the nature of unalloyed being, Sudasattva. This manifestation of cause and effect exists in him. So we come back to another verse that makes it clear, well, no, we're talking about a form of Sudasattva. In the same canto, we see different uses and different texts referring to Lord Sankarshan. And here's another text from the 25th chapter where it's definitely referring to the Supreme Lord, Sudasattva. His form is Sudasattva. Whereas before, we have two other snippets of text which what? Refer to him having a form of Thomas. So, some misleading statements regarding Bhagavan's form are found in the Puranas. This is Jiva in his actual, in his Sandarbha. This is appropriate because they refer to kalpas dominated by darkness and ignorance. In these kalpas, the Lord conceals his glories. We will get as we go into this more, we will find out that this nomenclature kalpas can also refer to scriptures. Now, naturally, when we hear this coming from Jiva in his Samdharva, well, what are they? Are there particular, what is a kalpa? A kalpa is generally referred to as a day of Brahma. So, are there Rajas days of Brahma? And Thomas days of, of Brahma? No, that's not there in the Shastra. So we have to find out what exactly it means when Jiva is speaking and using the word Kalpa, which is used in the Bhagavatam in this way sometimes. There's a lengthy discussion about that in the commentary, which we will review. Uh, what we what we'll walk away from this anucheta with is some deeper understanding of certain points, 
but also the profound understanding of the necessity for good guidance in studying Shastra and understanding how important context is when we're studying verses and studying leelas. Jiva Goswami saying, Some misleading statements regarding Bhagavan's form are found in Puranas. This is appropriate because they refer to kalpas dominated by darkness and ignorance. In these kalpas, the Lord conceals his glories. Kalpas meaning scriptures. In this instance, not days of Brahma. These misleading statements did not describe the reality of Bhagavan. Some glorify Lord Shiva. Others propagate dry renunciation. So we go back to the Tattvasandarva. There are 18 major Puranas. And what do they present to their readership? They present conclusions based on the mentality that would be appropriate for people in the mode of goodness, people in the mode of passion, and people in the mode of ignorance. So the major Puranas are six for people in the mode of ignorance, six for people in the mode of passion, and six for people in the mode of goodness. So those scriptures are going to present things differently. You're going to have Devi Purana, where things are going to be presented from that viewpoint. The Shaktis, for those that are attracted to the energies of the Supreme. So another verse is quoted here from the Skanda Purana, and this is Lord Shiva speaking to his son Skanda. So the Skanda Purana. In Skanda Purana, that Vaishnavas should not accept spiritual statements that establish Shiva and others as supreme. So he's telling his son, the Vaishnavas shouldn't accept these statements. In these scriptures describing the glory of Lord Shiva, only those statements that support the scriptures dealing with Vishnu should be accepted. Shiva's instructing his sons. When you come across a reference in scripture that says I'm God, that I'm the supreme, that I'm the creator, the maintainer, and the destroyer of the universe, you don't have to take it literally unless what is there supports the, uh, the idea that Vishnu is the supreme. But it doesn't mean that these Puranas are not authentic. They are true, acceptable Shastra. Such Puranas have descriptions for those in Rajas and Thomas. The Puranas that establish Sri Vishnu as supreme relate stories for those who are sattvic. The sattvic Puranas offer the most complete and authentic knowledge. And we'll close this Anucheda, this is actually part of the Anucheda, Jiva Goswami gives the following. Srimad Bhagavatam also does not accept such opinions. 
found in other Puranas, as shown in verses like 1077.30. Such is the account some sages put forth, O wise king. But those who speak in this illogical manner contradict themselves, having forgotten their previous statements. This will be specifically established in Krishna Sandarbha. So we're just beginning to dive into this subject of the presentation of transcendent knowledge for the gradual upliftment of humanity and how, as Vaishnavs, we accept the Bhagavat Purana. It's like the sun, some of the other Puranas, which are also authentic, just don't put out that much light. Doesn't mean they're not illuminating. They're illuminating for, to the extent that they're helpful for those people who are situated in the mode of ignorance and the mode of passion. Therefore, it is appropriately said in Srimad Bhagavatam 5.25.9, quote, Bhagavan's form is permanent, dhruva, and uncreated, akrita. Any questions? Thank you so much for your association.